This is Making It Happen by Sims, a podcast that brings people, business and technology together. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Making It Happen, the Sims International podcast. Uh, today I'm joined by Chris Briley from BVM. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Yes, good morning, Graham. I'm very well, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Had a great weekend. Good. Uh, so <laughs> I hope you did too. I did. Um, with, the, with the run up to Christmas, putting decorations up. Um, so, Chris, BVM. Um, we've worked with you for a little while now, but let's get to know let's get to know Chris. Tell me about yourself, who you are, and, and what do you do at BVM? Okay, well, first of all, I'm sales and marketing uh, director, mainly sales. Um, I've been with BVM now for about eight years, and um, I came to them from Avnet Embedded, whereas with them um, probably around eleven years. Um, that was formerly uh, Trident Microsystems. So I've been in the embedded business about 20 years. I came into it in about 2002. Um, before that, I worked for the likes of Panasonic in a completely different role in GEC when I used to work in process. I was, my background is surface mount. Um, and I may, <laughs> my actual background is actually mechanical engineering, it's production. But I managed to, when I graduated from university in about um, 19... 92, I managed to work for GEC in a sort of electronics-based role. They made intelligent payphones, so it shows mm. shows how long mm. ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a mobile phone now, of course. Um, yeah, so there you go. So that's my rough, uh, rough um, sort of potted background. How to got I got into electronics. So coming, for, so coming forward to the um, the present day. I mean, BVM, they are. Um, it's a bit of a complex beast, really. They're a sort of um, a distributor of standard embedded computing solutions, and they're also a systems integrator and an OEM. Um, BVM started life about 30 years ago, just over in 1989, and it was started by four gentlemen, um, uh, two of which are unfortunately no longer around. Um, the guy that now leads us up is our managing director, Rod Clark, and he was one of those people. And he used to work for Vero, and he did the the four people I just mentioned did a management buyout, and they started BVME, which stood for uh, BICC Vero Microsystems, which got short to BVM. <laughs> That's quite quite a mouthful. <laughs> and they started life making um, and designing, sorry, designing and making um what's known as mezzanine boards so vme type boards and, and, and pcm boards uh, and we still actually manufacture some of those today we still support them uh, for some customers we have in the usa and dotted around uh, central europe uh, they're very very basic technology they use um processors all of about 10 megahertz speed and uh, the old <laughs> the old yes exactly the old, mo- the old motorola 68000 series um and we produce them because customers still want them and uh, they're very expensive so therefore very um they lend themselves to uh, high average sales price items mm. uh, very easily so when we do make them we do make quite a bit uh, of uh, profit from them because Good. Uh, because customers still want them. <laughs> yeah. If you don't mind me asking, Chris, what sort of applications um, would they find themselves in? 
really strange ones. The one I, I mean, the one I, I particularly remember is the one in the USA, and they they make machines to engrave pens. Um, so if you want a pen with a personal message on, or or a, you know your company details on, uh, for you know corporate giveaways. Uh, yeah. They make the machines that do that engraving process. So they're very, very simple, simplistic kind of um, processes that these things go into. But nevertheless, customers want them keeping alive, so we still do them. Yeah. Um, so that's one side of the business, and that's a very small part now, as you can imagine. You know, supporting yeah. legacy products is becoming more and more difficult as devices go end of life. The main part of our business, and this is where BVM really did start life as a distributor is uh, distributing for um, some of the more larger OEMs that are based in Taiwan, people like DFI, Axiom mm. Tech, II. Um, yeah, some big names there. Yeah, so we we, stand, we distribute their standard motherboard solutions. And then a growing part of our business and something that's become more um, predominant in BVM's business is us acting as, uh, in some cases, and actually ODM for some uh, customers that have come to us that want very specialist solutions that generally start out around a discussion on um, an, embedded, an embedded motherboard and then kind of spread out from there with other peripheral devices, embedded type devices being added into the mix. And then maybe us doing a full custom uh, manufactured build, including the operating system, which again can be very tailored and bespoke mm. to what they need, and then packaged up um, and shipped out to them. So BVM's business isn't straightforward, but if you want to sort of kind of boil it down, um, everything starts, the conversation always starts from the embedded computing side, and then it mm. kind of starts and spreads out from there. Yeah, so that that's really where your DNA lies within within embedded computing. And as you say, you know, breaking your company down, you're you're really in like in, embedded displays, industrial PC and print. Would that be a fair assumption? Yeah, the the, the printer side of things is a very odd, and there's, there's a funny story to it. Um, we never had any intentions to go into um, distributing thermal printers. What happened was a very good friend of mine, Colin Coote, who now works for us came to us back in 2017 and he had been made redundant from his uh, from his company and um, came to us and said, I've got this great idea, how would BVM like to distribute thermal printers? That, that's, that's how great ideas start out. It's like I know. And having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we said, but we don't know anything about thermal printers. It's not our business and, um, um, you know, it's not really what we're looking to do. Mm. And he said, no, but I do. And he used to work for Seiko, as in the watch people. But part mm -hmm. of part of Seiko's business is thermal printing. And um, we said, okay, well, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll try it out. You know, if it, if it falls flat, then we'll, we'll probably employ you in some other way and integrate you into our embedded computing business. And it just took off. Um, you know, he, he had a very good customer base from his old days at his previous company. Uh, a lot of those customers transferred over to us because um, they wanted a different way of maybe going to business. And, and it just grew from there. So mm. it's a bit of an oddity. And we kind of run it separately from the computing business. You know, it really isn't related as such. And, and the two kind of businesses don't really cross over. We don't sell, sell embedded computers into uh, the printing business and we don't really sell printers into our embedded computing people. Very, very mm. rarely do they cross over.
Yeah, so as I say, you know, you, you, your company DNA is in your embedded, uh, embedded PCs, then, then we have the kind of print side. What made the company diversify in, into other areas? Was it through customer requirements and demand, or was it gaps in the market, or just a natural company evolution? That's no, a really good question, Graham. Um, you know, BVM had kind of always had that those business skills in the background, those uh, onboard skills, you know, in manufacturing mm. and um, good electronics, hardware engineers, but never really utilised them. So when they took me on eight years ago, um, it really was because my background was kind of in that. They took me on to sort of say, well, can you do anything with our business? And um, when I looked, I said, look, you've got all the attributes. In fact, you've got attributes that a lot of actual people in the same businesses don't have. They don't have a mm. manufacturing area or production area. They don't have, you know, hardware PCB designers on board. You know, that's a big outlay for yeah. businesses to make. And you're not really making the most of it. So what we decided to do from that sort of point was try and build that side of the business up, bearing in mind we'd taken people on, we're employing people to do that. But a lot of the time they were actually doing nothing. They were kind of twiddling the, the fingers and we were doing small small batch bills for customers, but nothing really heavy, you know, nothing mm -hmm. big. So we decided we were going to go to market, uh, not only acting as a distributor of straight solutions, you know, off-the-shelf COTS solutions, mm. But also, you know, if you're looking for something a bit more than that, something where, you know, you you want a bespoke product, then we may be able to do that for you. Um, now, why it's grown, I mean, um, there's a number of theories we have on this. Um, 20 years ago, when I came into the embedded business, the embedded Reno Trine and Microsystems, that was kind of also Trident's uh, route to market or just one of them. You know, they also sold embedded computers, displays, uh, embedded Microsoft and the message was from you know from top down was you need to go into customers and do a bit more than that you need to try and sell them a full solution where we make it for them well at that time Graham probably a lot of customers majority of them said you know that's great but we we kind of already have those skills in on board ourselves so you just sell mm -hmm. us the components and we'll do the clever bits 20 years later well you know our theory is is that some of those skills may well now be missing um, mm. from customers. Um, you know, if you look at maybe um, what's coming out of the universities, um, the difficult degrees, typically engineering bias degrees, you know, whether that's mechanical, um, software, electronics, uh, you name it, they're not easy degrees to do. Um, mm. Students may be taking mm. other paths, maybe into banking, finance, whatever. Mm. And also, of course, you had the effect of the, the, the pandemic over the last couple of years. We have yeah. seen some customers lose staff. And so all in all, we kind of think, well, maybe some of those skills now are missing from customers. So they're coming to us and saying, look, we do need something special. We maybe don't have those skills on board. What can you do for us? And maybe that's mm -hmm. the reason why also it's become more popular. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting time. Just picking up on, on, on the people skills, um, is that something um, that recruiting you know, new staff with, with specific skills, has that been uh, something that's been quite easy to do? Or as you say, given, given your location where you are, you're, you're, you're fairly remote. Is, is it, have you found it easy, difficult, pros and cons? Really, really difficult, Graham, being really open with you. Um, yeah, difficult because... Um, people with the skills that we need, you know, mo mo predominantly our business is an engineering business. Um, you know, I mean, um, you know, when they started 30 years ago, 
um, you know, they were started by four really, really clever engineers. And that ethos has kind of run through the company all the way through. And typically, you know, a lot of our business, whether it's the standard distribution or it's the clever stuff where we, you know, do bespoke mm. tailored solutions, it has to be supported uh, mainly from an engineering side. So when we recruit, it's mainly engineers and they're not easy to, to get. You know, good electronics engineers are not easy to come by. Quite rightly, um, cust- uh, you know, businesses that employ those kind of people make it their business to keep hold of them. So they don't become um, easily yeah. uh, available too often. In fact, we've just recruited mm. somebody um, just um, about a month ago. I'm very, very lucky to find this particular person. But no, really difficult. Um, you know, uh, not not easy to find UK-based engineers. Um, so, um, as you know, uh, Chris, we exhibit engineering design show in Coventry every year, and they have uh, quite a lot of students coming come into the show, normally hoovering up freebies and seeing what they can get. But personally, I think it's it's vital that these students come to the show to see what's happening in our industry, whether it's electrical design, uh, embedded design, and really give them the the impetus to, to carry on and, and follow through their studies and get into the industry that, that we love so much. So if, if I was to, to, to sum up, or if you could sum up BVM, you know, what, what's your USP to, to perhaps the customers and trying to attract staff coming to work for you guys? What would that be? Well, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good question about... <laughs> Well, if, if we're if we're talking about people coming to work for us, um, certainly the USP would be one day is never the same. They're all different because we're always faced with various engineering challenges throughout those um, days. Um, having said that, it's exciting because if you're an out and out techie, you get involved some, with some really really clever stuff. It's not like that all the time, you know. There's some mundane stuff that needs doing as well, you know. Of course, because we do, we do base some basically, you know, some some very basic configuration builds for customers, you know, just adding memory and storage and maybe Mm -hmm. a a standard operating system. So it's not, you know, it's not always exciting, um, the clever techie type stuff, but a lot of the time it is. So if you're an engineer out there and, you know, you're looking for maybe um, a career where you can, you know, um, roll your sleeves up and get stuck in, that's that's us. From a customer side of things, well, I think our USP really is we're we're a small company. There's only about fifteen of us, um. But every everything that everybody does makes a difference to the company because it just does because we're that you know that size of company. And I suppose yeah, the, the, the US yeah the USP to the customers is sorry, Graham. The USP to the customers is that we're very customer focused, so we always listen very closely to what they want because quite often it is bespoke and it's it's mm. to their needs and we react accordingly and um we we're one of those customers that are not only there for the designing kind of gestation but we're there for the bits afterwards as well it's not all about taking a purchase order it's remaining sort of friends with the customer and running throughout their professional lives as well and working with them as they introduce more and more uh, products to their markets to try and keep themselves competitive. And that's really how we go to market. Yeah, I, I think our values there are, are quite aligned, BVM and Sims. It, it's, it's, not about, it's not about the sale, it's about the journey. It, it's, it's working with you and becoming a long-term partner. 
Absolutely, it really is. You know, and I've watched a number of your podcasts and I keep hearing this more and more, you know. Um, sure, I used to work for a very, very big company and I used to work for Avnet Embedded, you know, our sales manager. Huge company, for, huge, yeah, for, yeah. For, for 11 years. And they've certainly got a place to play in the market. But I really do enjoy the more personal touch, the working with the smaller customers, actually, um, that maybe are sort of, you know, you know, sort of, um, of smaller value businesses, but they're fantastic to work with because you get to know them so well. Mm. You get you get that per- you get that personal service. You do, you do, and what we find as well on top of that, Graham, when we look at our customer churn, it's very very low because those customers stay with us also because they mm. trust us. And that's not me actually just blowing the trumpet of BVM. It's true, you know, they really right, yeah. buy into what you do as well as you buying into what they do. So you know, uh- it's such an enjoyable process. Yeah, absolutely. We're definitely on the same page there. That's that's how how Sims um, approach working with our customers. It, it's you know we, a, a lot of our customers are our friends. Uh, so okay, let's. Um, thanks for our brilliant oversight on B, BVM. Uh, sounds like a cracking company. Um, so let's t- actually talk about the industries that you work in um, and the demand for your products. So where are you seeing? You know, a, a rise in sales. Is it through the automation, the bespoke systems, the, the embedded systems? Um, is it defence? Is it marine? What, what's what's happening at BVM? Okay, well, um, this is a question that comes up quite often through our the OEMs that we work with in in Taiwan, and um, they, of course, uh, are very focused on um, vertical markets. Um, mm. What we say we don't we don't actually specifically aim for any particular vertical markets. There is true that some vertical markets like medical defense, um, transportation, they do command some very good sales numbers because typically they're looking for solutions that are high in value because there's some, you know, they have to be around a long time or they have to work in some very harsh environments, which demands a product that, you know, is is, is um, tough and uh, going to be high in value. But we generally cut through a lot of markets. Um, we don't particularly aim for any one. What we find is because really because of maybe because of the specialist services that we do provide, some of those markets come looking for us because they need us, you know, they need somebody that can support what they're trying to do. Um, now, if we're talking about any specific markets that we do well in, I mean, I looking at our numbers and how they split down, um, we do really well in medical, although we are kind of, um, led by one particular customer uh, in the main. But um, we do well in transportation. We do well in uh, defence, uh, particularly in surveillance kind of products in, in, in surveillance, which is completely different from, shall we say, mm. you know, standard say, kind of surveillance and, um, you know, security kind of products. Um, and then just general, as, as it is termed, you know, industrial automation, you know, our, our leading sector would be medical because of that one customer, which kind of skews the figures a bit. But if you drop down from that, um, our, our main bread and butter comes from general industrial auto, industrial automation um, applications. Mm. So given the, the, the widespread of industries that you work with, you obviously work with um, a lot of different, suppliers so how important for you as an sme is getting the right partner for your business what are the what are the key attributes you look for in a in a supplier 
Uh, that's again, it's a really good question, Graham, because um, the world has changed a lot. You know, when I came into this business twenty years ago, um, you know, you had to sign up to supplier agreements, and you know, you had to declare what you was going to do each quarter, and you'd have quarterly business mm. reviews with those suppliers. Uh, twenty years later, you know that the world's a different place. And literally, they're coming out of the woodwork at you to say, will you sign up to us? Will you distribute our products? Will you put them on your website? Will you do social media releases? And there's no pre-agreements at all. You know, they'll literally sell anything to you because everybody's mm-hmm. trying to make a book or two. Yeah. Um, so we're quite, um, we're quite uh, not guarded, but we're quite uh, judgmental about now who we work with. Um, because we do have a number of suppliers we've worked with for a very long time. Again, the partners to us, um, known them a long time and um, have a certain respect. They also have competitors that would like to work with us, and we kind of you know have to push back a bit. I mean, the ideal supplier to us is one that has um, a good track record, got really good uh, FAE um, support in the background. Yeah, crucial. Crucial, yeah. Um, um, because, you know, I mean, particularly nowadays, I mean, just more and more, you know, stuff like, um, uh, you know, uh, engineers that are talking to us are basing their systems on things like Android. Now, we mm-hmm. don't really have anybody on board that supports Android. We're very good in, on Windows Embedded and even Linux. Yeah, not yet, though. Not yet. There's... Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not yet. But, um, you know, so we're looking for that kind of support from our kind of supply chain. Um, and just ones, you know, when we come to them and say, look, we've got this customer, this is what they're looking to do, what's your thoughts on this? Two-way kind of process sort of stuff. Um, mm. Not one that's just going to sell us a product and just stop there and say, well, sorry, that's that's it. You know, that's where it begins and ends. Our best suppliers are the ones that talk to us and say, well, have you considered this? What about that? You know, it, again, it's the two-way thing, Graham. You know, it's... Communication it's is communication key, though. And, yeah. and the ability to flex as well. So, so given the nature of, of the industry that we work in, it, it's very, very fast-paced. Um, the nature of components as well. We've seen shortages over, you know, the last few years to a certain pandemic. How do how how do BVM stay stay at the head of the curve when it when it comes to uh, product design and offering your customers the latest technology? Well, again, it is a lot through through the suppliers. I mean, obviously, you just mentioned it there, Graham. It's been really difficult two years with regards to you know the supply chain, you know, the lead times extending out. But you know, some of the suppliers that we work with, they pull rabbits out of the hat. You know, really, really have done a great job in working with us. And it goes back to your previous question about. You know, what are we looking for in our supply chain? That's exactly it. You know, I, I, I was looking at the figures, at our figures last week, Graham, and we're going to probably have the best year that we've had by the end of next April, which is the end of our financial year, that we've had in our 30-year existence. And that's a lot down to the supply chain. Uh, and it's that supply chain, coming back to, you, to your question of now, that's keeping us ahead of the market because some of the products they're bringing through, particularly now with advents in... Um, you know, uh, I guess stuff around IoT and AI, oh, IoT, mm. um, you know, things becoming uh, faster regards to communication speed. Those, those supply chain are keeping us ahead of the game when it comes to products of that ilk. 
So it's yeah, we're keeping ahead of the market because of us because of the people we work with, basically. Good and the relationships that have evolved over time as well. Uh, that that that's really that's really good to hear. Um, so flipping it on the other side from your customers' perspective, um, is there a much stronger demand wanting products a lot quicker? Um, of, you know, demanding lead times. Um, do, do you carry stock on the shelf or is, is everything bespoke? Bit of a two-part question there. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we do carry stuff on the shelves. Um, particularly what we try to do is when we're doing designs is try to design in common products, you know, so therefore uh, we're buying more of it. That makes things from an economic point of view more commercially attractive for us to do that. Um, but we do stock stuff on the shelves because that's what, you know, customers demand. I guess the problem we have, or one of the most difficult things to manage is, is that um, because we work with a number of OEMs who have a, a huge portfolios of products, you know, mm. some of those OEMs I mentioned a few moments ago, keeping every product would be nigh impossible to do. So, so um, you know, it's a balancing act. Yes, and coming back to your question about do they want things faster? Well, even in the current times, Yes, they do. <laughs> it's like the pandemic never happened in some instances. It's like, well, what do you mean you can't do it in four to six weeks? <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it's still there. The demand's still there. That's not changed. And in fact, if anything, we've probably seen our project side of the business grow in these last two years, despite what's been going on in the world. Projects haven't stopped. The, the, there's still ideas out there for, you know, uh, more and more clever and innovative ways of, Mm. Our customers wanting to get to their markets, um, but the speed of things doesn't change. Do they accept it? Yeah, the majority do accept that you can't get things in the lead times that you had before. Mm. They're not happy, of course, but nevertheless, they understand the issues because they see it. They see it in their everyday lives anyway. Yeah, as long as you can have an open and honest conversation about, look, this is the state of the market for these particular components. You know, I'm not trying to pull wool over your eyes. This, this is how it is. You, you go to any any uh, manufacturer, it, it'll be the same. So, you know, honesty and transparency um, ac across the board makes things much easier Absolutely. with your customer. It, it really does, Graham. And the communication really is paramount there because even though when you've got to give that bad news, you know, it's not going to be six weeks, it's going to be a bit longer than that. I We find that in the majority of cases, so long as you're talking to the customers, you're telling them what's going on so they can make contingencies in the background for anything they need mm. to do with their client base generally it's okay but the key is the communication you know mm. you're not saying anything is probably about the worst thing you can do and that's that's kind of the way we go to market we always make sure the customer knows exactly what's going on at any given time yeah. I, I think um while we're on this podcast we we can't um not talk about covid um because it's you know it's such a global event and had such far-reaching consequences for a lot of people um with BVM, would, did you see this as an opportunity to move into to new areas as a result of customer demand, or was there still quite a strong demand throughout the pandemic? You know, Graham, we had a mixture of things going on in the period. I remember when it started in March 2020, um, we were really worried because obviously everybody started to work from home, and we thought, well, how's mm. our, you know, the customer base, how's their engineers going to do this? You know, they're not going to be able to go in their offices, won't have access to access to some of the things they need, the tools they need. But I, I think I said it just a few moments ago. We saw the project opportunities actually grow. Um, we saw more and more projects come into us at the start of the COVID period, um, uh, probably more actually than we'd seen 
pre-COVID. Uh, and then we saw a lull, probably about six months, you know, after that March 2020 period started, kind of uh, felt almost like the summer period you get, you know, between July, August, when the schools are off. It just kind of nosedived and nothing was going on around the tail end of that 2020 year. And then back in 2021, it kind of started to grow again. But the opportunities, yes, we did, because what we did see, we saw customers coming into us that we knew, but we there were kind of customers we thought we'd never work with because they used other other OEM services or other distributor services. But because they couldn't get product, we saw more and more of these kind of customers that BVM had never really dealt with before coming into us and saying, can you get us this? Can you do that? Mm. Um, so it was an interesting time, actually. And some of those customers have stuck with us as well. So these were customers that we thought we'd probably never work with, but some of them now we now do because they've come on board with BVM services and they, they like what we do and, and, they've, and they've stayed there. So it's a really, really strange time, uh, you know, Grant. I, I wish I could say it was because of the marketing that we'd done and because, you know, we're really good at going into customers and saying, you know, this is BVM, this is what we do. But a lot of it was... Uh, fortuitous because they didn't have a choice the usual supplier base couldn't supply what they wanted they came across us and and started to use us so it's a really strange really strange times Graham, i have to say mm. and as as we know you're, you're a great company you're you're a pleasure pleasure to work with and it, it comes down to the people within within the business that you know they they make it happen so I, I can totally appreciate where you're where you're coming from. So we, we've we've talked about products and markets. One thing that I would like to touch on is the aftercare. What sort of services do, do BVM provide for their customers once they've got your product? Well, quite a lot actually, because um, because some of the products we obviously supply are not straightforward. You know, uh, an embedded computer by its very nature. Uh, sometimes computing to me almost almost seems a black art you know there is a it's an odd thing to work in you know and some of the engineers that work with us you know very clever guys but that support after the sale has happened is a lot of the times it's paramount to what the customer is doing because there will be hiccups you know mm, there will be there will be conflicts between say their application software and the hardware that we're supplying for whatever reason so it's our job to hand you know handhold them through those times and to to make sure that you know what we supplied and what we specified from the outset is and was the right product for them so it's very very important and you know look at the end of the day we're a small business so at the end of the day we have to survive and we survive on the customer interaction that we give to hopefully make sure that the customers always come back every time they Mm -hmm. need to make another order or indeed they need to design a new product so it's really key to us yeah no, that, that that's 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 really good. That's really good. And as a, as an SME managing that as well, and you you, you do it brilliantly. It's um, a set a credit credit to your company and your staff. Um, so I'm I'm ju- I just want to wrap up now, um, Chris, and I'm I'm going to go a little bit left field here. Um, th- this one this one's for you. Um, what what's the funniest thing that sticks in your mind since working at BVM? I'm putting you on the spot now. No, you're not. You're not really because. Um, oh, there, are there are there too many to mention? No, no, there's, there's, there's not. There's there's not that many. But probably the funniest thing that have happened to me, having worked in sales for a long time. I mean, I, I went into sales with Panasonic back in '95, which is when I first my first proper sales engineer's job. 
And, you know, when I uh, went to work for Panasonic and other companies after that, you know, um, one of the things was, of course, was making sure that you was always visible to the customers because at the end of the day, you're sales, aren't you? You know, you've got to be. Yeah. Absolutely. So you, the laptop, the mobile phone, the car, everything that goes with it. Was, it. was it a big brick mobile phone back in the olden days? Thanks, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I made, had one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, yeah, it, it wasn't quite that bad. It wasn't far off it. So when when I came to work for um, for for BVM eight years ago, um, you know, I, I joined them and. Um, I remember going for my interview actually uh, at BVM, and the, the first story was is that I went to see Rod Clark, who's our managing director, and um, I was in his office and made my interview. Halfway through the interview, I needed a nature break, so I said, "Oh, Rod, can you tell me where your toilets are? Can I, you know, just need to, you know, pop along and uh, and use them?" And he said, "Yeah, sure, just down there, blah blah." Well, um, I know the background to your company, your CEO Andrew. I think he was an ex dairy farmer. He was, yes. Right, okay. Yes. So BVM's old offices at Hedge End, they were, it was a dairy. And consequently, it was a myriad of passageways where the cows obviously used to go. So, of course, I got lost on the way back to his office. <laughs> so that was one thing. I thought, I'm doomed. <laughs> so that was one thing. Anyway, long story short, I got the job <laughs> because they wanted, they wanted a sales director on board. And that's what their accountant advised at the time. Uh, wanted somebody to increase sales to do different things with with the, some of the skills base they had on board that they hadn't previously. Um, so I started, and I remember one of the administrators there said to me, um, "Have you had your business cards done yet?" And uh, I said, "No, no, actually, they, they do. They need doing. Will you be able to get them done for me?" And she said, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely, no problems at all. Just um, just give me the layout, of what you need, and I'll I'll get them done from from our printers." So I, I did exactly that. And um, the next day she came back to us and she said, um, about your business cards. And I said, y- yeah, what, ready already? And she said, no, 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 I, I'm just, you know, getting the layout ready. She said, um, you put your mobile number down here. And I said, yeah, that's right. Yeah, why, why? is the problem with it? Is it wrong? And she said, no, no, it's the right mobile number. It's just, do you really want your mobile number on your business card? And I was like, um, uh, well, yeah, you sure, of course I do. And she's like, oh, it's just that we don't usually do things like that here, you know. It's, that means that, that means they can get hold of you. Uh, and the reason I'm telling you this is because because and because BVM was originally created by engineers and always been kind of very conservative about the way they did things. Mm. It was a complete shock for them. So um, of course I said, yeah, it's not a problem. You know, I want customers to talk to us. You know, that's what I do yeah. as a job. And and that's where life went on. But actually now, eight years later, BVM, a completely different company, you know, we do a lot of stuff on social media, we do a lot of stuff um, mm. with newsletters, and, and so it's totally changed. But that's that's how life started for me eight years ago at BVM, so it's only, it's still a relatively short time ago, and yeah. that's what that's what we used to be like. And and now look at you, you do, you're doing podcasts. You're doing and, podcasts and now we're doing podcasts, exactly, yeah, exactly. No, brilliant. Well, well Chris, it, it's been brilliant to talk to you thanks for an insight into B- bvm um I've, I've had a great time on this on this podcast today um so thank you and have a very merry christmas and a happy and new to year. you graham and to you thank you very much yes thanks very much thanks